Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to NJS Base Podcast Program, Conversation on New Jersey Education. This is a school law edition, school law today edition. Uh, this is a program designed for the, our members and the, those in the education community and beyond to listen to some experts in the educational field. Uh, today we'll be talking about uh, those contentious school board meetings, but before we do that, I'll tell you there's a couple ways that you can get involved. Uh, if you want to, if you're just listening on your computer, we have a chat room feature. You have to log in with Blog Talk Radio, but you can type in a question and I'll pass it on to our guest uh, or a comment. Uh, or you can just call in and ask a question live. Mike is uh, monitoring our uh, uh, switchboard. You dial one Three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four. And then you press the number one, and that'll let Mike know that you have a question, and he'll at least uh, get your name, and I'll pass it on to our guest. Uh, as I said before, we were talking about, um, you know, when sometimes board meetings get a little contentious. Uh, with me uh, from the Wiener Law Group is Mark Tabakin uh, from. Um, the law group. He's a partner. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Ray. I'm really glad to be here with you. Yeah, and Mark, how long have you been uh, practicing law, Mark? Um, I've been practicing law, I believe, for 28 years, uh, since 1990. I guess it's 29 years now. I've been with the Wiener Law Group for 19 of those years, and I head up the education department for the firm. Okay, great. Uh, and And your law group covers all over the state, right? Yeah, so uh, we have a fairly large footprint. Uh, we represent districts um, from Sussex County all the way down to, uh, I would have guessed, Salem County, yes. Okay. All right. Before I get into some of the things that can go wrong with the meeting, which this is all hypothetical, actually, uh, but uh, what is the purpose of a board meeting, particularly for the public? So at a very base uh, level, a board meeting is, is conducted so that the board can do the business at hand, whether it's uh, finance, educational issues, it could be construction issues, it could be personnel, uh, special education, there's a host of reasons. Uh, all public meetings of, of all public bodies, especially boards of education, are conducted in the public under the Open Public Meetings Act so that the public can see the deliberations and actions of their public uh, bodies being done in front of them uh, for the purposes of transparency and, and disclosure. So there's the, there are exceptions to that where boards of education are allowed to meet in executive session or private session. Uh, there's nine exemptions to the Open Public Meeting Act. Uh, the, big, the bigger ones are contract negotiations, collective bargaining, personnel matters, student matters, uh, and, and things like that where the board can meet in executive session. However, uh, all of the actions are done in the public view. Uh, these are meetings conducted in public so the, per- so the, the uh, public can see you know, how their elected officials or their appointed officials are spending their money and, and, and conducting the business of the Board of Education. A quick follow-up to that, uh, particularly for members of the public. Uh, can they vote in those uh, closed sessions? Uh, so, no. There's, no. there's only one exception to that. The, all 
resolutions and action items are voted on publicly except for tenure charges, uh, which are initially voted on in an executive session to protect the um, confidentiality and the personnel uh, uh, that is affected by a tenure charge and a, and a vote to certify a charge to the commissioner. Other than that, no, there's no votes taken in, in private ever. Okay, and, uh, and there's a public portion uh, at all board meetings? Yes, the Open Public Meeting Act uh, has long held um, that every uh, a portion of every public meeting, at least one, needs to be reserved for members of the community or the members of the public to come and express items of that are of interest to them. Uh, they could be on agenda items or they could be not agenda items and just generalized comments or, or um, observations or whatever it is that the public wishes to um, say at those meetings. Okay, and so they can, let's get they can vary in length. Right. Uh, and that depends on the board policy, and we'll get to that probably a little bit later. Um, okay, you get to a board meeting, you're a school board member even though, or a school administrator, and you look out and there's 100 people in your audience, uh, and you're not really sure why, and usually they're probably not coming there to give you an award uh, as the best board in the state. It's, people are usually not happy when they come to a board meeting. And if you're not sure and you're a board president, what are some things that you might want to do during that meeting before you even get to the public portion? So, so you walk into the room, you see 100 people out there, and, and they're you know, milling around or they're making all kinds of noise, and you're the board president. The very first thing I do as board president, and it would be the very first thing I do as a board attorney, would be to ask the superintendent and or the business administrator, why are all these people here? What, what is the hot-button issue here that, that's driving attendance to be uh, much higher than what would otherwise be normal? Uh, the normal board meeting, there are not hundreds of people. There are not even dozens of people that come to meetings on a routine basis. So you're 100% correct. Nine times out of ten, uh, the reason that the room is filled is for some negative something. Uh, it could be you're privatizing your custodians. It could be uh, some you know, park testing. It could be lots and lots of issues. But the first thing the board president should do is, is put his or her head together with the superintendent and find out why they're there. Um, and it could, be, it could be a very simple reason. It could be a very complicated reason. Uh, but that would be the very first thing. Um, if the superintendent or the business administrator uh, don't have an answer, then it's kind of the Wild West. Uh, but normally, uh, they'll be, they're here because of whatever the hot button issue may be. Yeah, and, uh, and I would say that's rare that you have no idea uh, why they're there. Uh, yeah, and and so the yeah the superintendent you know or the business administrator they normally would have the finger on the pulse of of what's going on with the parents. They'll have the fingers on the pulse of what's going on with the staff. Maybe it's a collective bargaining issue. Maybe it is a you know something like that where it, it the answer would be readily available to you know an astute superintendent or business administrator. And then you know once you once the board president can get his or her hands around the issue that is in front of them, then it's a lot easier to start managing expectations for the rest of the meeting. Let's talk about those expectations because a lot of people, you know, you said it before, not many people go to board meetings. This could be the first time someone ever goes to a board meeting. Should the board president uh, explain the process or something to that effect? So absolutely, I, yes. I, I think that's a really smart way of managing expectations and, and people 
forget that when they're sitting up on the dais year after year as an elected official, people coming to board meetings normally don't come to board meetings. They're nervous too. Uh, they, they're not sure what to say or how to say it or when to say it. So I think it's a very, very smart move to have the board president, um, and if not the board president, it could be the attorney, it could be the superintendent, whomever the board president wishes to have do this, is to set the, the tone of the meeting right out of the gate. You, you, you do the Pledge of Allegiance, you, you, know, you call your meeting to order, uh, you know, you, and right away the first thing I would recommend, you know, especially in a hostel room or somewhere that it's a very large crowd, is to say, these are the expectations for this evening. This is a meeting of the Board of Education. We need to conduct our business. We need to move our business forward. We have a very full agenda. Um, we will, this is the order of our agenda, and clearly there's lots of people here, so you know, we are aware that, the, you know, that there are some issues. Maybe you confront that issue right up front and say, we're aware that you're here because of the, you know, the failed teacher contract or because of you know, whatever it may be, the, construct, the referendum to construct new schools, and say, you know, while you have a right to speak uh, and we will reserve ample opportunity for everyone who wishes to speak to speak, Please understand that this is not a question and answer period. Um, we will listen to you. You have to maintain a, a level of decorum, and, and we will as well. But please understand these are the, this is the roadmap we're going to follow, and we are going to stay on this roadmap. And I think if you right. do that, it at least makes people a little more comfortable about how the evening is going to progress. And I think you probably, uh, for my two cents, emphasize that it's not a dialogue period because I think sometimes – the community members coming in there expecting to have a big dialogue with you. Yeah, that's that's correct. I, I think that is a, an expectation, especially for some folks who may not have ever attended a public meeting before. Uh, and I think that is a very smart uh, thing to do is to set that expectation that we are not going to have a back and forth. It's not going to be an, an, you know, an interrogation of you. It's not an interrogation of the board. Uh, you have an opportunity to say whatever it is that you wish. And you know, to the extent that there's 100 people that want to speak, I also think it's a smart idea to say to the extent that someone else says what you want to say, rather than be cumulative and, and repetitive, Perhaps, you know, you know, we're listening, we're, we get it, we understand why you're here, uh, but we don't need to hear, you know, from everybody unless you have a, you know, a compelling reason or a desire to speak. Um, I, I think the, you know, where boards get jammed up a little bit, Ray, is that, you know, when they set those expectations, they, they can sometimes deviate from them. Uh, and, and I think that's where a lot of, of, a lot of danger fall, you can fall into dangerous areas when you deviate from the script, from the agenda, when you deviate from your practices or your policies. Uh, I think that's where uh, a lot of board meetings get derailed. And it's not because people are being mean or, or nasty or, you know, they, they have passion and they want to say something and, and they have the very, they have the right to do so. But I think if, if you lay out those expectations and then stick to your guns and stay with the process and be consistent, that you know, the, you'll, everyone will get through the meeting, everyone will be able to say what they wish, and, and, and the board's business can be conducted and finished and, you, and you know, maybe get home at a reasonable hour. Uh, and so but, but when you say stick to the script, if you have a policy that's uh, 45 minutes and each person who speaks gets three minutes, you don't give – uh, all your critics three minutes and give your supporters six minutes. 
<laughs> yeah, correct. And so, and and that's and that is it's a pitfall that that sometimes you know it's again human nature and people can fall into you know old habits you know die hard. So normally the the same you know half a dozen people come to your board meetings when it's not a controversial issue, and those people tend to get up and they can speak for longer periods of time because there's no one else at that board meeting. However, when the meeting becomes a contentious issue and there's lots and lots of people, you don't have the same leeway to provide those regulars, if you will, with the with the latitude you would otherwise provide them on a non-controversial board meeting night. And so when you start going back and forth and deviating, you can't give your supporters six minutes and your the, the, the people that are against whatever the position may be three minutes. Consistency is important. It's important for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is it doesn't open you up to scrutiny as, you know, playing favoritism. You're right. And one thing, uh, when you just you you talk about the script and you have the board president or someone else talk about it, is it okay to put it in writing, say, at the back of the, the agenda or somewhere so when the public comes in, they can see how the public portion works? Or read it. Yes, I, yes, right. I think that's a, a really, really smart thing to do. Uh, normally, boards uh, don't have that um, statement of what it is or how the interactions are going to go with the public, uh, because they just haven't had an opportunity to either, you know, make mistakes or uh, had a, you know, a very controversial issue. But the time to do that is not when you have the controversial issue. The time to do that is in advance. And if you have a policy that says you have three minutes per person, a total of 90 minutes, uh, twice we're going to do this, one for agenda items only, the second one is for any items that may be of interest to the members of the public. We will not entertain a dialogue or a, or a question and answer. Um, any and all questions will be referred to the superintendent or the business administrator or other administrator as may be the case, and and you are all welcome to reach out to the superintendent as always uh, to speak with that person, you know, offline. So if you have that in writing, um, then all you need to do is either put it on the back of the agenda or read it at the beginning of of the meeting, and then people understand it because if you you know it, it's it seems very very disrespectful on a fundamental level when someone is getting up and making this impassioned plea for something and all they see is nine people, you know, with blank stares on their face. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I understand, I understand the psychology of that. It's, you know, it's, it's not a good feeling. You feel it's very dismissive, but, I tell all of our clients, my colleagues tell their clients, you've told you know people that you deal with that you can't engage in this. It's not the proper it's not the proper forum for a, you know, a, a back and forth. If you want to have an open house about something or you want to have a meeting where you will engage in a back and forth, then by all means do that. But if you have a regular meeting and it and you have a full agenda and you have, you know, sometimes dozens and dozens of resolutions to get through and lots of issues to deal with it's it's you know the setting that stage is really really important okay i only go through some things that uh through my time i've heard have happened um and, uh, and once in a while uh a member of the public gets up and they start saying disparaging comments about say the high school principal or a teacher or any staff member um and uh, I know boards try to stop that, but what are the rights of the public in terms of personnel? So that's, that is an age-old issue. And the, the correct approach, in my opinion at least, uh, is for 
the members of the public have a right to say what they wish. They need to, as long as there's a policy, what I'm about to say, on acting in a decorous, uh, you know, having some level of decorum and a level of, of respect for the proceedings, so to speak. Um, you know, you can demand that members of the public um, not curse and carry on and yell and throw things. And, and you could remove board members of the public if they act in a way that is disruptive to the meeting. However, if they get up and they say, things about the high school principal that that are potentially you know inflammatory the the attorney or the superintendent or the board chair uh should be saying you have a right to your opinion um but you you know please be forewarned that if you slander or disparage someone that's on you that's not on us and number two, we are not going to engage in any level of discourse about this because the person you're talking about has privacy rights and confidentiality to their employment, and we're not going to violate that confidentiality. And so with that warning, the person can, is absolutely free. The First Amendment protects a lot of that kind of speech. If they have an opinion, uh, they have a right to share it. And as long as they do so respectfully and with some level of, again, decorum, all all the board president should be doing is saying, thank you. I appreciate your, you know, your your input, you know, we'll take it under consideration next. Yeah. Okay. And what about, but, but, there's, but there's no given, the there's no back and forth on that. Oh, correct. And what about uh, this? Uh, maybe mentioning a lot of times I mentioned their own kids. Uh, and I, cause sometimes board members take into it. I can't talk about students. I can't talk about personnel, but uh, can a member of the public talk about their own kids in their, so it happens, it happens way more, frequently than than I like and and it and it does seem to the people have no real filter on them often when they're talking about something that they're passionate about and it's often their children whether it's a coaching issue or it's an I you know child study team issue um, where they get up and say my kid you know XYZ uh, has you know has an IEP and his disability is such and such normally I will intervene and say you're you're you know you're discussing confidential matters as it relates to your child again we will have no comment as it relates to this because we are not allowed to we we cannot you know violate the confidentiality of of student matters and we will not do so if you're willing to do so which we would think that you you know should not but we can't stop you so say whatever you're going to say um and and let it you know and that parent either feels comfortable enough to talk about their child or they or they realize that maybe this isn't the right form for that and they say all right maybe I should just make an appointment with the superintendent um, right. And that and comments that come up in public are something that had the member of the public simply called the superintendent or this high school principal or the child's or their child's um, teacher or a case manager, whomever it may be, um, they, that would have been blunted and dealt with in a in a way that would probably feel way more um, satisfactory to those parents than going to a board meeting and, and airing out you know whatever grievance they may have. Um, it's it, it's that's the most appropriate approach to that, but parents don't always know that, and they, so they come to a board meeting expecting some level of, of interaction where the interaction really should be at a lower level. Um, and so often I will say to a parent, um, perhaps you should you know give the superintendent or the the head of special services your contact information, and I am sure they would be very happy to speak with you about any of these issues you know in in a more you know private and discreet setting. 
Okay. Uh, for members of the audience, if you want to call and ask a question, dial 1-347-989-8904 and press 1, or you can just type a question in the, the chat room. Uh, I've seen this, too. The, uh, it, there's a hot issue, and there's someone who's kind of the spokesperson for a group, or at least is taking that position, uh, but they can't get their point across in, say, the three minutes. And then someone from the back room says, I cede my three minutes to them. Uh, can a board say, no, no, every, it's three minutes per individual? So it, it largely depends on, on what the policy and the tone of the meeting are. So if a policy says you may cede, um, and if someone wishes to cede, that's fine, and that person will get the new three minutes. If it's in the policy that it's allowed, then it's allowed. If the policy says there will be no ceding of, of time or deferring of time, then the chair, the board president, needs to, again, stay and you know stay the course on enforcing the policy in an even-handed you know way and and so what can happen is you have a super hot issue um the policy is maybe silent maybe not um and the the board president as the chair of the meeting he he or she gets to you know have the the pace of the meeting kind of set for the group the, the board president, in, in certain respects, certainly can say, I will recognize you, that person has ceded their time to you, I will recognize you again, please continue your comments. If it gets superheated um, and things are getting very, very hot, uh, I have seen instances where the board president will say to the full board, is it the board's will that this person be allowed to continue speaking? Um, and oftentimes, you know, you'll get a voice vote of kind of like, yeah, it's okay. Um, and then the other times where it gets super really heated, you'll, you'll have a motion to not allow it or a motion to allow it. And then, the, you know, you let the parliamentary procedure go from there and, and it's approved or not approved. Um, I've seen it go all different kinds of ways. Again, the problem with those types of things is that when it's not a heated time and that, that same person normally gets to speak for five minutes, that's when they say, well, I, I get to speak for five minutes all the time. Why are you shutting me down at three minutes right now? And, and that's why being even-handed and consistent with the way that you approach the interactions between the public and the Board of Education is important and matter. Uh, consistency, and consistency helps. Now, and I know that'll be your mantra throughout this uh, podcast, uh, yeah. which as as it should be, uh, we'll be consistent. Um, I now, even though you tell people that you're not going to dialogue with them, I I know they get peppered by questions. They keep getting asked questions. Usually, the board president. Sometimes they talk directly to another board member. Sometimes to the superintendent. How do you answer the questions without sitting there answering the questions? So, again, if you have the written statement and you have a policy that says there, there will not be a question and answer period, this is an opportunity for the public to speak on issues that is of concern to them. That is what public comment is. Public comment has never, was never intended, at least as far as my understanding of the Open Public Meeting Act, to mean that we are going to have a dialogue and that we will spend the next hour and a half having a discussion about the, you know, the pros or cons of any given issue. So, the, the, again, in a, it, to be consistent and even-handed, you must be able to say, as a board president or as the superintendent or the attorney, we will not engage in answering your questions. If you wish 
to have that level of interaction, certainly make an appointment with the superintendent, um, and he or she will, you know, gladly meet with you to discuss whatever it is that the, that is of, of importance to you. But this process, a board meeting, is not – it's a meeting in front of the public. It's not a public meeting, if you can understand the distinction there. Yep. Um, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's a place for the public to see the, the, how the board deliberates and how it conducts its business. It is not there to be an oversight arm of the Board of Ed or to start peppering people with questions. Now, it, it becomes difficult sometimes to say to people – we are not going to answer your questions. It's not because we're not interested. It's because we, if we do it for you, we have to do it for everybody at every meeting, and we'll never get the business of the board completed. And we have an agenda, and we're going to stick to the agenda, and we're going to be, my mantra, consistent and fair about how we approach this. So you can't pick and choose when you're consistent and fair. It has to be all the time. So, But it, you know, sometimes those questions you can answer them like, the next day or two days later, depending. Because sometimes they are questions that if you would have known were coming or if someone would have called ahead of time, you could have given it to them. So it's okay to have, like, the superintendent will get back to you. Uh, he'll he'll look into that uh, issue and get back to you. Uh, please leave your yeah, name and so that, that That's a fair – yeah, that's, I mean, that, look, that's a fair response. But once you start with that – right, if you give that response to one person, then really yeah. don't you have to give a, a similar response to every person? And the, 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 the problem with that is that there are going to be some questions that the superintendent or the business administrator or maybe even a board member could, will know the answer to off the top of their heads. You know, why is this money budgeted to hire a new assistant superintendent, for instance? And the BA knows the answer is yes or no. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a self-evident kind of thing sometimes. However, many of these questions come out of left field. And, you know, a superintendent is running, you know, most boards of ed are a fairly large organization. They have multi-millions of dollars of, of budget, money, lots and lots of employees, and it's unfair for a member of the public to get up. And I know they don't care about fair or unfair, but the fact of the matter is, is that the, the idea of instant recall of all salient facts that are going on in a district is a fiction. It doesn't exist, and it's unfair for the superintendent or the business administrator or the board president to be put under that um, level of scrutiny to be able to say, well, I know the answer to every question, so now I'm going to engage in that. Right. Um, I, I think that is not a, a, a fair thing to do, nor, and you don't want to make up you know, answers on the fly. You want to be deliberate. You want to be you know, and, and prudent in your answering of questions that are important to people, which is why the, the answer of we'll get back to you is the, is the safest thing that, and, that any person on the board side of the equation can say. Mm-hmm. All right. And we started this talk about when you get to a board meeting, you see 100 people out there, you're not sure why. Usually you do know. Maybe you're not renewing the football coach after he won a state championship, and you know there's going to be 200 people there. Uh, can you like move your board meeting to a bigger room to accommodate people? Uh, maybe link, you know, make a statement that our our policy is 45 minutes for a public portion because we know this is important. We're going to extend it to an hour. Are there things that you can do like that to relieve the tension? So, yeah, so if let's, you know let's, un- let's unpack some of that. We need to unpack some of that because it's, it's a, you know, there's multiple moving parts there. So in terms of moving a location of a board meeting, uh, if you know you're going to have 200 people in the room fits 50, 
um, you know, then you, you are, you're going to have to deal with some notice issues on, on moving a board meeting um, from a pragmatic, practical point of view. If you're just moving it down the hall from, let's say, a conference room into, the, you know, into a gym or an auditorium, that's not a big deal because the address of that school is the address of the school, and, you know, you, you know people will know where the board meeting is. Um, however, if you're changing locations from, you know, the board offices to the high school, um, you have some notice problems because people may not know that. And when, when you're not sitting in the board offices like your notice says and your public meeting is at the high school, you have a potential for having an Open Public Meeting Act violation um, depending on how much notice you were able to muster to make that move. The other issue you raised is um, in terms of, of, of how to manage, ex again, managing expectations. If you know that you're walking into 200 people and you know that they're there because the football coach is being non-renewed, the, the appropriate thing to do, I believe, and I would counsel my clients on this, would be to confront the issue up front. We know why you're here. We, or at least we believe we know why many of you are here. And it's because of, of a personnel matter. We, we, you know, please be patient. We're going to work through our own agenda. We're going to go in order. Or, or maybe they, the board president asks for a motion to take matters out of order um, in order to put public session up front with whatever action items may or may not be controversial. Um, so, yes, I, I think when it becomes something he very, very controversial or very heated, I believe that the board president should not simply, you know, do this under their own caveat, but that what they, what they should do is say to the board, what is the will of the board? Should we move the public session up? Should we extend it by another 30 minutes? Um, there's lots and lots of ways of, of accomplishing the goals of making it an easier board meeting, but I think, it's, I think it's always better to do that in a collaborative way with the entirety of the board rather than the board president simply saying, this is the way I'm going to do it, and thank you. Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, we've been talking about the public coming to a meeting and sometimes being unruly and, or sometimes just creating a little bit more tension. But sometimes it can come from the board members themselves. Uh, maybe a board member is playing to the audience because uh, he, he agrees with them. Um, so how do you deal with a board member – during, you know, you set the rules of engagement, but maybe one of the board members starts to engage uh, a member of the public uh, and maybe even answers questions or something to that effect where a board member is kind of the, the issue here. So that, that becomes a little more complicated because it, it, it involves, you know, the interpersonal relationships among, among the board members, um, and, and that puts, you know, superintendents and guys like me into a really bad place because we don't want to have to pick sides. Um, so, again, I, I, I default back to my, my base setting of you need to be consistent. If you don't allow a member of the public to hijack a meeting, you can't allow a, you know, a board member to hijack a meeting. And, you know, the board president needs to, you know, be forceful enough with, with, with you know, the bounds of good taste and respectfulness to say to the board member, we have an agenda, we're going to be following this agenda, you're out of order, you'll have an opportunity to speak your mind as, as you know, when it's the appropriate time. So if it's in the middle of a motion, the motion to non-renew the, you know, the football coach, and that board member now is going to filibuster um, and, and get up and, and have this big long speech as to why we're the, you know, the board's the most evil people ever or whatever it may be for non-renewal, um, 
at some point, the board president can say, you've, you've had a fair amount of time to speak your mind. We need to move on with the, you know, the, other, with the vote. We need to move on with the process. Um, it's, you, there's also parliamentary procedures that can be invoked um, during such instances. For instance, the, you know, a motion to call the question and end debate. Um, so knowing parliamentary procedure, it can be used very, very effectively to keep the board meeting moving. Um, it's a super arcane kind of you know, set of rules that were written, God knows, in the 1800s at some point to um, you know, keep you know, folks moving in, in their, you know, their way of, of, of governance. Um, and so some of the rules are a little arcane and, and can be a little tricky, but generally speaking, you can say, you know, I, I wish to end debate. Is there a second? Yes, there is a second. And then, you know, all in favor of ending the debate, boom, the debate either ends or it doesn't, and you move on. And so, you know, there's a way if you are savvy enough to pick up Robert's rules and, you know, you know get one that you can understand, then, you know, it, it could be a very effective tool to keep a meeting moving, both on both okay. sides of the equation, whether it's a board member that's acting, you know, trying to hijack or a member of the public that's trying to hijack. Okay, I have a question from our chat room. Uh, and actually, I have heard of this. It's a good question. Uh, so, Patty, uh, 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 shout out to you. If board members uh, walk out of a meeting uh, or do not show up to, so that there's not a quorum, how does how can the board handle that? So that's 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 very actually a fairly easy answer. So you have nine members of a board of education. You need at least five to have a quorum. If if you are sitting there and you don't have a quorum, the Open Public Meeting Act says that you need to sit around and wait to, for a certain period of time until see if a quorum can happen. If you sit around and it's I don't know if it, I don't remember if it's eight o'clock at night or it's nine o'clock at night, but it's about an hour after the meeting was called. I think it's nine o'clock at night for some reason. Um, at that point, there is no meeting. Uh, the four members of the board can act, arguably, as a committee in some fashion and sit and talk about anything they want. Um, they can't take any action, and there's not an official board meeting. If there's a lack of quorum under the Open Public Meeting Act, you must uh, re-advertise for a meeting to occur not more than seven days, I want to say. I believe it's seven days, and I'm sure someone's going to fact-check me on that one, and it'll be five days. But I believe it's seven days. Um, to 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 recall that meeting to to reset the meeting and 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 conduct the business. Okay, and if they walk out, so that they're uh, if they break a quorum, have a quorum, in essence, same thing. Right. So you have a quorum. Something super hot happens, and five people say, "I've had enough of this," and they get up and bolt, um, which has happened to me more than a few times. Um, over the course of my career. Um, at that point, the quorum is broken. Uh, the meeting ceases, and st it just it stops. Um, no further action can happen. Uh, it's as though a quorum has never been there. Um, there's no voting. There's no nothing. And then it's, okay, we're going to, you know, this meeting is, for all intents and purposes, over. Good night. Um, and then you have to reboot that meeting again within, I believe, it's the seven days. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I think if Patty has to follow up, she, I'm sure she knows where to find me. Um, I also have heard, and I think you have probably experienced this, where a board member on the contentious issue says, I'm not speaking as a board member, I'm leaving the board dais, goes into the audience, and then says, I'm speaking as a member of the public. Uh, are they once a board member, always a board member at that point? 
No, I don't, I don't agree with that. I believe a board member can, and I've seen that happen as well, get up and say, I am no longer speaking in my capacity as a board member. I'm now speaking as Mark Tabakin, member of the public, gets up, goes to the mic, and then waits for his or her turn to speak during public session. They, are, uh, they stand in the exact same shoes as every other member of the public does at that point in time. They need to comport themselves with decorum and, and be respectful, but they have a right to speak their mind. They, they, you know, just being a board member, you don't surrender your First Amendment rights. However, they also may or may not possess confidential information that they better be very, very careful about not sharing. Uh, so in, you, know, you just spent an hour in the executive session about the non-renewal of the coach, um, you know, fighting like crazy, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up and go in the audience and blast the board for non-renewing the coach. I better be very, very careful not to express any items that may have come to me in my capacity as a board member that are confidential, because that would be, an, that ethics, can, that would be an ethics violation. So unlike a member of the public, they can't be evaluative of, say, a staff member, uh, particularly the superintendent, and they can't mention children because that would be the confidentiality that they – Agreed. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree with that. They, again, that's that's the the care one must take. Now, the, the you know they again, board members like every other member of the public has a right to express you know freedom of speech, uh, and they have a right to share their opinions, whether it's done on one side of the dais or the other. Regardless of which side you're on, even if you get up and go sit in in you know the crowd and wait for your turn, you still cannot be violating any of the confidentiality uh, or the that that you may be privy to, um, and that's where the board president uh, would need to be very you know probably a little proactive and say I understand you know you're now speaking as you know a member of the public and not in your capacity as a board member. Please uh, please you know understand the limits of what you may say based upon information that you have that the general public does not. Uh, Patty uh, had a little follow-up to that question. When someone leaves the board meeting, uh, to, to, uh, so there's no quorum, do they have to explain that or can they just leave? Um, so you, there's no obligation for anyone to explain their vote. There's no obligation or you cannot compel them to explain what they're doing. If someone simply gets up and leaves, um, whether they're doing that because, you know, their child, you know, is, is ill at home or, you know, they're doing it because they don't want to deal with whatever issues in front of them, I, no one can demand of them an explanation. Um, you, you know, it, it, again, it's, you could ask for one, but the person yeah, is right. under no obligation to provide one. Yeah, there may be repercussions politically, uh, depending on your community, but there's no legal. Uh, Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, but the the politics of this are, are you know, we, we could spend a month on that. But the fact of the matter is, is that from a legal perspective, you cannot compel someone to. Why did you vote no, or why did you vote yes, or why did you get up and leave? So the so the from a legal perspective, you cannot compel an answer to that. Whether there's a repercussion politically in the community or you know within the board itself is an entirely different story. Uh, I had a. Uh, Sometimes there's a board member who uh, maybe he's he or she is the lone wolf uh, in a in a nine member board, and they talk on every single issue and they debate all the other board members. Uh, there's no time limit on, as far as I know. For is there a time limit for board members to talk? Can you put that? Not in the that I'm aware of. No. Okay. no. Well, I guess you know, arguably, 
perhaps you could. Perhaps the board, as a policy-making body, can make a decision that uh, meetings are running way longer. We're not able to get to the business of the board me- of, of the agenda because board members keep going on and on and on. And so I would suspect that they can self-regulate um, in some fashion and and you know put constraints on you know the dialogue that occurs. Um, I, I've not seen that, to be honest with you, because most mm-hmm. boards kind of self-regulate themselves Regulate. in that sense that, you know, that, you know, if someone's going on and on and on, it, you know, after a meeting or two of that happening, their fellow board members outside of my purview will get, say to them, hey, look, you know, you, you got to, you know, we're, our board meetings are going until two in the morning. You know, that, that's ridiculous. You need to relax a little bit, you know, say what you got to say, but, you know, get it out and be done. So that, that that kind of self-regulation happens, I believe, a lot more often than than not. Yes. Now, uh, you can correct me. I sometimes tell board when they ask me, I say, well, if you all know how you're going to vote, you don't need to spend an hour trying to convince the one vote that you don't need to. You know, you don't have to. You don't all have to engage in that debate. You can just let the person talk their five minutes and then just move on. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, you know, if you, again, you know, if you have a strong opinion one way or the other as a board member and you feel compelled to justify why you're voting yes or no on something, it's, it, you know, get it out and be done. Um, and I think you're 100% right. People know, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very rare, at least in my opinion and in, in my experience, it's a rare occasion that board members will be able to advocate uh, successfully to change someone's mind. I mean, it certainly has happened. I, and I'm sure it may happen a lot more than I'm aware of, but I don't know that it happens a whole lot. Um, I think more like it, it's more likely that people kind of are fixed in what their decision is going to be one way or the other, and let's move on, which is why calling the question and ending debate is important. And again, that goes back to process and, 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 and keeping fidelity to the process. Uh, you know, we're getting, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, Mark, is there any other final recommendations you would give? either handling uh, a divided board or a divided public? Well, let me say this. I really appreciate the time that I've been given here, and I enjoyed myself a lot. Um, So, no, I think the only thing that I would say uh, to boards uh, are to, to be consistent and to, you know, understand your policies, understand Robert's rules. Uh, use them effectively so that you can have an efficient and an effective board meeting. Uh, the, the idea of going until two in the morning—it's you know often a battle of attrition, and the you know the side that has you know who could sit in a chair longer wins. Um, I don't believe that is effective governance. Um, you know, there's I, there's being being able to move the agenda and keep things going is what is good effective governance. Okay, that brings us to the end. And at least you have one fan out there because Patty uh, commented in the chat room that it was very helpful. Uh, and help well, and, and, and to the extent that Patty is sitting in my office, that would be that's awesome. So I don't know. I'm kidding. I have no idea. No, I know she's not. Uh, I, I actually do, but uh, I'm not going to just. So I like to thank uh, Mark Tabakin uh, for joining me uh, from the Weiner Weiner uh, Law Group, and uh, I hope you all found this enjoyable uh, and informative. So uh, that brings us to the end of this program, and thank you, and thank you, Mark. Thank you very much, Ray. I really enjoyed myself. Okay, thanks. Bye now. All right, bye bye.